As Pastor Andy Davis shares, the statistics are terrible. 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent and received every single day. 2.5 billion. 68 million search queries related to pornography. 25% of all searches are related to porn on the Internet. About 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. One-third of porn viewers are women. Two-thirds are men. Beyond Internet pornography, there are other devastating statistics. 40% of kids in public high schools have had intercourse at least once. 40%. Half of the 20 million new STDs reported each year are among young people between the ages of 15 to 24. Back in 2002, an online dating agency called Ashley Madison was founded with this tagline, Life is short, have an affair. In 2015, hackers stole the customer data, and some noteworthy Christian leaders were found to have been enrolled in the service, much to their shame and the shame of the Church of Jesus Christ. Overall, 25% of those enrolled claim on the website to be Christians. All this points to what I've been talking about. We human beings have a devastating weakness for sexual sins. It is the weak part of our character, of our lives. And this has been so since Adam and Eve ate the fruit and their eyes were open. They realized they were naked and they were filled with shame. So our sexual crisis is nothing new. That's why throughout the Scriptures, there are many warnings about not committing sexual sins and living lives of holiness and purity to address this issue. The book of Proverbs is no different as this book for wise living dedicates many verses and chapters to this subject matter. So let's take a look to see what Proverbs teach us about engaging in sexual sins and learn how we can live lives of holiness and purity as a testimony for the Lord in a world that is hypersexualized. Now I know that for some of you, this may be a delicate subject matter, and knowing that we have a wide range of ages that listen to these messages. I will use appropriate language befitting a church message, and in fact, simply let the Bible speak for itself. However, sadly, our children are being exposed to the sexualized culture at a younger age through the internet and social media, and their innocence is being lost at an earlier age. Parents, let us not be naive in thinking that our children don't know what they already know, because while we can do our best to shield them from what is out there, we can't guarantee that their friends' parents are doing the same thing. So in this day and age, we need to deal with this issue head-on and prepare our children at an even earlier age to know how to tackle these issues through the lenses of biblical principles. My friends, we talk about this difficult subject because the Bible talks about this matter extensively. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5 as we study this chapter. And we're also going to be looking at chapter 6 and 7. Now, as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 5, I just want you to know that in this message, when I refer to sexual sins, it is a blanket term that includes a whole host of sins, adultery, fornication before marriage, lust, inappropriate touching, watching pornography, and other sins in this category, both in thought life and in action. In fact, in the New Testament, the word most often translated sexual immorality is porneia, from where we get the word pornography. It is important to talk about this subject 
in our series titled Foolproof, A Guide to Wise Living, because so many lives have been destroyed and so many families and relationships have been ruined because of sexual sins. I read now verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Here the Bible begins with the call to pay attention and not disregard the words that would be shared. In fact, we read something similar in the introduction of chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Here these verses remind the readers not only to listen, but to take to heart the warnings that will be given. In fact, one is to keep the warnings close to their hearts and at the forefront of their minds. And by doing so, verse 5 says, it will help keep a person from falling into the seduction of sexual sins who flatters with her words. As much as we know many of the truths that will be presented concerning sexual sins, it bears another round of reminders because constant reminders are key to avoiding sexual sins. You see, this is our first biblical principle. Biblical principle number one, accountability and constant reminders are needed to avoid sexual sins. Accountability and constant reminders are needed to avoid sexual sins. Because the temptation of sexual sins is a battle every one of us faces every day if we do not admit that it is an issue we struggle with and let our guard down, then we will easily fall into these sins. Even as a pastor, I admit that I at times struggle with sexual sins and recognize that I cannot let my guard down not even once, lest I fall into its deadly grasp. When the sinful world, with its cultural practices and social pressures, say that sexual sins are okay and normal, as seen through traditional and digital media, we should also be constantly refuting this wrong worldview when we read and are reminded from God's Word that sexual sins are not okay. So when someone says that sex outside of marriage is only an expression of love, you'll be reminded that that's not true and that true love waits. It is patient, kind, and considerate. That's why it's important for us to be plugged into a small group for accountability or be regularly reading or hearing God's Word because those constant reminders help us from being tricked by the evil one who wants to normalize and make right what God has explicitly told us in the Scriptures is wrong. My friends, do not ever tire of hearing or living out the truths of the Bible. We may not want to be constantly reminded, but it is for our own good in order to keep us from temptation because we so easily forget and are swayed by the world. That's why as cliche as it sounds, having Bible verses visible around your homes or as your computer wallpaper or as the background for your phones serve to keep what God desires for His followers at the forefront of your minds. Now, we won't prevent you from falling into temptation, but it certainly will give you pause to think about your actions before you engage in sinful practices. Now, go back to chapter 5 as I read verses 3 to 6. 
I read now verses 3 to 6 of Proverbs chapter 5. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Look at how sinful temptation is pictured as a seductress whose words are appealing and smooth, seemingly like honey. But when tasted, it is bitter like wormwood, and even deadly like a two-edged sword. You see, behind the illusion of sexual sins being something wonderful and great, it is something that is deadly and not what is promised. How many women have been emotionally torn apart and have had their lives shattered because some man said wonderful and sweet things to them just to get what they want from the woman physically? And after they get what they want, the woman is ghosted, meaning completely ignored, and he no longer calls or wants to be in a relationship. How is it that we can be so easily fooled? Because the sinful temptation techniques used speak to our sinful lust and desires. For example, we want to get rich quick. So casinos lure us into their world of potentially but highly improbable hitting of the jackpot. We desire to have a beautiful woman or a handsome man who will speak to our lonely and insecure hearts. So online trolls or people looking to take advantage of us reach out to us on social media with fake pictures. While in the back of our minds, we know that the profile picture is some stock photo of a model. We want to believe that somehow a model or a beauty pageant caliber man or woman has taken an interest in me. And so we engage in conversation and are easily fooled and manipulated because our vulnerabilities are targeted. What we need to understand from these verses of warning is that regardless of how nice the packaging and marketing is, nothing good comes out of sexual sins. And that's our second biblical principle, biblical principle number two. While the offer may be enticing, nothing good comes out of sexual sins. While the offer may be enticing, nothing good comes out of sexual sins. Now look at me at verses 7 to 8 of Proverbs chapter 5. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Here, verse 8 is very clear. Get as far away from temptation and sexual immorality as you can. Flee from it. This is repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, and reiterated in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. We are to flee from sexual sins. You see, the God who created us knows that if we hang around with people whom we are tempted by, then it is only a matter of time before we fall into sexual sins. Other types of sin we can withstand and should fight against, but in this area of sin, we are to flee, the Bible tells us. Remember that the righteous Joseph in Genesis chapter 39 stayed away from Potiphar's wife as much as he could even as she tried to pursue him. He does not allow for temptation or any justification to have any opportunity to win him over. His boundaries were clearly set. My friends, when it comes to sexual sins, it only takes one act of it, and that's it. You have lost and have to deal with its consequences. 
Now look with me at verses 9 to 14 as it spells out some of the consequences of sexual sins. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I've hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. These verses list out some of the consequences of engaging in sexual sins. Physical diseases like STDs, many of which have no cure. Exploitation by others, perhaps even blackmail. You will feel self-hate, shame, guilt for doing what you did. You may even suffer a ruined reputation and perhaps lose your job. It may lead to financial ruin as you have to pay alimony and child support. It can lead to a broken family with cascading ramifications. You could lose your wife, your children, your fiancé, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends. Are you willing to potentially suffer all of these things just for one night of momentary pleasure? Is it worth it? Are you willing to suffer all of these things for a person you may not even know well or just met? In fact, we don't even know the full extent of sexual sin's consequences because sexual sins entangle and enslave us. There was an infamous killer named Ted Bundy who killed as many as 50 young women. On the day before his execution in 1989, Christian psychologist Dr. James Dobson, founder of the Focus on the Family organization, interviewed Bundy. Dr. Dobson asked Bundy to explain what had happened to him. Bundy said that he grew up in a wonderful Christian home with two dedicated and loving parents, along with four other siblings. But as a young teenager, he encountered pornography at the local grocery store and in people's garbage. After a while, Bundy said, you look for more potent, more explicit, more graphic kinds of material. Like an addiction, you keep craving something which gives you a greater sense of excitement. Bundy would attribute his slide to becoming a serial killer with what some call innocuous, harmless pornography. But my friends, sexual sins have a sinister way of taking us slowly into very dark places because we crave the temporary pleasure it offers. And before we know it, our lives are destroyed because we can't get out of the dark hole we are in. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 24 to 35, as we look at a description of what happens when you put yourself in a situation where you have a high probability to fall into sexual sins. I read now verses 24 to 28 of Proverbs chapter 6. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Here the Bible tells us again, get us far away from situations, settings, and places that may cause you to fall into sexual sins 
or if you're alone with someone you like or attracted to, walk away. Get out of that situation. It will cause you to sin. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're bound to fall. In fact, verse 25 reminds us not to even entertain or fantasize about sexual sins because our thought life will often lead us to wanting it to come to reality. And if we want something to come to reality, if we really want something, we will do everything and anything to get it. The power to satisfy a craving is such that it will drive us to do things we don't intend to do, disregarding what is rational, even willing to throw away everything that we have. Again, that's why pornography is so dangerous. You lust after men or women, which isn't even normal to real-life situations. And the psychological impact is damaging to the real world you live in. Your spouse or future spouse can never measure up to the actors in those pornographic materials. Verses 27 and 28 basically say, don't play with fire or else you will get burned. But sadly, many have played with fire and stupidly thought they would not get burned, but in fact do get burned. I know that the world thinks it's old-fashioned and outdated to date in public places and not to share a hotel room with just the both of you if you're not yet married. I realize and understand that it is normal nowadays for couples to travel together alone before marriage. And while I hope you will be able to keep your purity, all I can say is the chances for you to keep your purity and virginity is quite small because you are playing with the fires of passion, emotions, and hormones. You will get burned and you may not like the consequences. Verses 29 to 31 continue with more consequences of sexual sins. So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Here in these verses, it says that there should be no justification for engaging in sexual sins. Because like a thief who says he only stole because he was hungry, there are many who give many reasons for why they did what they did. They may think that their justifications are valid. My spouse is unkind. My spouse is never around. My spouse always rejects me. We were fighting. And in one famous sitcom, the excuse was, we were on a break. However, if someone volitionally engages in sex outside of marriage or in any form of sexual sins, then they are guilty regardless of justification and they will suffer the consequences regardless of the reasons. These verses speak of the price that may need to be paid as a consequence of sexual sins if exposed or found out. Verse 31 says it is sevenfold, meaning it pays a very high price. For example, many individuals may be blackmailed when found in compromising situations, especially if there are pictures or video evidences. You and I know that no one cares about the stated reason for why you were with that woman alone who was not your wife, or why you were with that guy who was not your husband walking hand in hand in the mall. They just look at the pictures and they will make their own assessments. In our digital world, Sometimes people are fooled into sending compromising pictures of themselves because their online friend or lover asks for a picture. 
regardless of the emotional reasons for doing so, now that person has something on you and can try to blackmail you. So my friends, young and old, be very careful in this digital age. You may not like the consequences of sexual sin. I read now verses 32 to 35. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. These verses describe more consequences to sexual sins. Not only will your character be ruined, but you may also be physically hurt. That woman's angry husband will not care what were your reasons, but you will suffer his wrath. You may be familiar with the phrase, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It is an idiom adapted from a line in William Congreve's play, The Morning Bride. The Morning Bride is a tragic play first performed in 1697. The line is spoken by Zara, who is captured and made a prisoner and becomes involved in a deadly love triangle. In the 17th century, a scorned woman was one who had been betrayed in love, especially one who has been replaced by a rival. You may enjoy temporary pleasure, but get ready to be hurt emotionally and even physically. Now, we've spent a lot of time describing the many severe consequences of sexual sins, not because I want to, but because the Bible gives us these reminders. And the many consequences should give us pause to think before we engage in sexual sins. For example, if there is a possibility that you will die from getting an STD, that certainly will give you pause to think before engaging in intimacy with someone whose checkered past may leave you wondering if they have an STD. And these warnings are in place because the Bible tells us the God who loves us wants us to avoid these deadly consequences. Now, putting everything together, we have our third biblical principle, biblical principle number three. Flee from sexual immorality because the consequences are deadly. Flee from sexual immorality because the consequences are deadly. There is no other way to say it. Flee from sexual sin. Get as far away from it as possible so that you will not have to experience its deadly consequences. Now, let me direct you to Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse 6, where I want to quickly address three common temptation lies for sexual sins as a warning to both men and women. Contextually, these verses picture someone observing a young man who puts himself in a situation for temptation and runs into a seductress. I read now verses 6 to 12 of Proverbs chapter 7. For at the window of my house I look through my lattice, and saw among the simple, I perceive among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square lurking at every corner. This man is either naively or deliberately looking for trouble. But whatever the case, he is described as foolish, for he puts himself in a position to fall into temptation. 
the woman described is either a professional seductress or someone who's looking for love outside of her marriage. But she is on the prowl looking for a victim. Verses 13 to 15. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. In these verses, we see this woman boldly catch this man, kisses him, and showers him with sensual words and words of flattery. Notice in verse 15 that she makes him think he is the only one for her. She tells him, I came out to meet you, to seek your face. I have found you. She's lying to him by saying to him, you are the only one for me. You are the one who has captured my heart. But you see, this is the first temptation lie for sexual sins. You are the only one for me. But this is clearly not the case, as this woman was looking for anyone. However, everyone wants to think they are the only one for someone else. So it is a lie we cannot readily discern. So many hearts have been broken because someone thinks they are the only one, only find out that their lover has someone else. Do you ever wonder why someone would fall in love with a womanizer whose reputation is such that he quickly goes through girlfriends? Countless friends have warned her about this guy, but she still goes on with the relationship only to get hurt later. It's because that guy said, you are the one for me now. I've gone through so many women, but you are the best. I choose you. I will be committed to you. And she believes it, hook, line, and sinker. But be warned, while there can be true life change, know that one of the three common temptation lies out there is that line, you are the only one for me until I get what I want from you and then I'm moving on. Now look with me at verses 16 to 18 where we find the second temptation lie for sexual sins. I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Here this woman says she has prepared everything for them to have sex, even stimulants for sight and smell. But look how she frames it in verse 18. It is framed as an expression of love. But the question should be asked, how can there be love when they just met? How can you love someone you don't even know? What is happening is that true emotive love is being equated to a physical expression of intimacy. But that is not love, and it's never been. Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to see how love is truly expressed. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. It always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, and there are other descriptions of how love is to be expressed. You see, the second temptation lie for sexual sin is, I love you very much. When that word love is said, somehow we check our brains at the door and we no longer use it. So people say, if you love me, let's express it. If you love me, then you will do this for me. I love you, and this is how I express my love. Will you accept my love language? As we will see in a bit, while appropriate in a marriage relationship, this supposed expression of love through physical intimacy outside of the marriage bed is not really love. 
but a tempter getting you to fall into his or her trap. The third lie is found in verses 19 to 20. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. We see in these verses that the woman says her husband is not home and won't be coming home anytime soon. So don't you worry, young man, if we engage in this illicit act because no one will ever know. And that is the third temptation lie for sexual sins. No one will ever know. No one will ever find out. And of course, if no one will ever find out, then why not engage in something we know to be wrong but want to do? Somehow, if a sin can be done in secret, the enemy makes the lies of temptation very easy to rationalize away. If no one ever finds out, then there will be no consequences. But as we will note later, there is one who sees all, and he is the omniscient God. That is the lie of Satan. No one will ever find out, so there will be no consequences. But that's why remembering the third biblical principle is so important. Flee from sexual immorality because the consequences are deadly. Look at the consequences in verses 21 to 23. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. This young man fell for her lies. You are the only one for me. I love you very much, and no one will ever know. And so verse 22 describes him making a rash and foolish decision, just like a dumb ox who is only going to get slaughtered. And look what happened in verse 23. Instead of the pleasure he was looking for, he fell into the trap. It would cost him his life. My friends, flee from sexual sins because the consequences are deadly. And that's what James chapter 1, verse 15 reminds us. James chapter 1, verse 15. Then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, brings forth death. My friends, it all begins with an illicit desire, and it will eventually lead to death. Now, turn with me back to Proverbs chapter 5, and let's take a look at verses 15 to 20. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. While sexual intimacy outside of the marriage relationship has deadly consequences, in a marriage covenant, it is a gift from God and to be fully enjoyed. I read now verses 15 to 20 of Proverbs chapter 5. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Here the Bible encourages those married to remain faithful to one's spouse. There is no need to look for sexual pleasure outside of the marriage relationship, whether physical or online. One should be fully satisfied with their spouse. 
Now, in the back of your mind, you may be thinking, but pastor, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. They are not like other people's wife or husband or like the husband or wife I see on social media or in the K-drama who are so romantic, helpful, caring, and understanding. Let me just say, since there is no one perfect, not even you, then why do we expect perfection in our spouse? You marry them not because they were perfect, but because you saw in them someone whom you love and someone who can compliment you. So accept your spouse and be satisfied with them. Because if you start to compare your spouse with someone else, for sure they will become less and less ideal in your life. That's why the Bible says, find satisfaction with your spouse. Because if you are satisfied, even with their shortcomings, you won't go looking elsewhere. Just like if your mindset regarding certain foods, like mushroom or certain veggies, is already negative, it will be very hard for you to overcome your appreciation for those types of food. But if you'll come in with a willingness to at least give it a try, you may discover it's not as bad. Similarly, if you think someone is bad or terrible like your spouse, then there is nothing they can do that will be right in your own eyes. But if your mindset is that person is a good person, then whatever mistake they make can easily be forgiven. Also, may I say, you may not be able to change your spouse, but God certainly can. Remember, your prayer is that they should become more like Christ, not to become more like you, just as your prayer for yourself should be that you become more Christ-like. The Bible tells us, enjoy sexual intimacy, for it is a gift from God. Sex and sexual intimacy are not bad things within the bounds of marriage. It is a blessing from God that is to be enjoyed by husbands and wives. In the marriage context, sex is an appropriate physical expression for one's love for one another. It is only apart from the marriage relationship where sexual intimacy is prohibited by God. Now, for those who are single and perhaps praying for a future life partner, may I just say, marry well. Don't settle. Make sure you really know well the person you are dating, courting, and know their intentions. How to really know someone well only comes with time. As the saying goes, good things come to those who wait. Don't rush into things and make sure you seek outside advice because many times we are blinded by our own emotions. You know, in the naiveness of my youth, I used to disregard my parents when they talked about considering many factors when it comes to marriage, like family upbringing, culture, and attitudes towards finances. I would think, why consider those things when love conquers all? But that is a movie line, not reality. Love isn't going to pay off debt. Love isn't going to blindly solve unique family problems and dynamics. And while I'm not advocating for your family to hire private investigators for your girlfriend or boyfriend's family, which some Asian families do, knowing the extended family and certain family dynamics are very important to factor in to the marriage equation. But of course, first and foremost, look for someone who has a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and who is growing in Him because that will ensure that they share the same Christian values you have, especially as it relates to sexual sins for both before 
and after marriage. You know, marriage is a lifelong covenant in the eyes of God. So when you make this very important of decisions, know that it has long-lasting implications. That's why the Bible says, Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Just because he or she gets older doesn't mean you can replace the older model with the younger model. Now, putting together these verses, we have our fourth biblical principle. Biblical principle number four. Sex is a gift from God and should be fully enjoyed in a marriage relationship. Sex is a gift from God and should be fully enjoyed in a marriage relationship. My friends, don't allow the world to define for you where sexual intimacy is best expressed and experienced. The creator of sex, the creator God who knows best how men and women operate, has designed sex to be most fully enjoyed in a marriage relationship, and it is His gift and blessing for us. Finally, look with me at verses 21 to 23. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. In these verses we're reminded that the omniscient God sees all of man's actions and knows his heart's plans. There is nothing we can hide from God. And yet, if a person desires to engage in sexual sins, even knowing that God is watching, then he will be caught up in sin and suffer its consequences. This chapter ends by noting that it is the foolish who engage in sexual sins when they know that God is watching. You see, our fifth biblical principle is this. Biblical principle number five. God sees all. There is nothing we can hide from Him. God sees all. There is nothing we can hide from Him. Knowing that God sees all may or may not be a hindrance for you engaging in sexual sins in the dark places of your world. But knowing that we cannot hide anything from Him and that He can discipline us should give us pause. Just like we don't commit crimes because we know there's a CCTV watching us, or we pause before disobeying the law because we know that breaking the law can result in penalties and jail time. My friends, always remember, it is not because God hates us and wants us to live a boring life that He sets for us these reminders. It is because God loves us and wants the best for us that He sets for us these boundaries so that we can have a wonderful life. Now, if you've engaged in sexual sins, know that there's forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if you genuinely repent of your sinful acts, you can start life anew. Pornography is an addiction, and like with any other addictions like gambling and drinking, you can overcome those addictions with God's help one day at a time. Know that through prayer, filling your mind with godly things, and the enablement of the Holy Spirit, and being daily filled with the Holy Spirit, we can have victory over sexual sins, as hard as it may seem. The book series, Every Man's Battle and Every Woman's Battle, by Christian authors Stephen Arterburn and Fred Stoker, is a great resource that has helped me when I read this book almost 20 years ago. When I gave the sex talk to my sons, I gifted them with the book, Every Young Man's Battle, for them to read, and it has helped them. My friends, we can live a life of holiness and purity in this hypersexualized culture and serve as a witness for Jesus as a Christ follower 
when we remember that, number one, accountability and constant reminders are needed to avoid sexual sins. Number two, while the offer may be enticing, nothing good comes out of sexual sins. Number three, flee from sexual immorality because the consequences are deadly. Fourth, sex is a gift from God and to be fully enjoyed in a marriage relationship. And fifth, God sees all and there is nothing we can hide from Him. May the Lord help us fight our daily battles with sexual sins as we take the steps necessary to find victory over temptations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wonderful reminders for how we can live lives of purity and holiness in this hyper-sexualized world. Lord, so often we have forgotten how you desire for us to live, to celebrate our virginity when we're single, to celebrate our faithfulness and purity when we're married. And so whether single or married, I pray that we would adapt to the biblical standards for how you view sex. Father, the world is teaching a different worldview, a sinful worldview, and through the media, it is affecting all of us, even children. Lord, I pray that you would guard our hearts, that you would guard our minds, that these biblical principles would be at the forefront of our minds so that when we are tempted to fall into sexual sins, that these verses, these principles will come to mind and we, with the help of the Holy Spirit, would fight against these temptations and stand firm for the purity and holiness you desire for our lives. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.